When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. I'm a host. I love being a host on this show. And my name is Ryan Key. This is the thrill of my week every week. Actually, it's the second best. After the actual Mandalorian is on, then (laughs) talking about it with you guys is the thrill of my week. Hey, I'm Nick. You're going to find out at the end of this year, at the end of the 2020 season, in the, the season finale of Thank the Maker, that we, the hosts, are actually hosts. <laughs> <laughs> like we started it all? No, it was a Westworld joke. It just, no one had my back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, that one went over my head. I was thinking we like hosted the vi- we were like hosting the virus, you know? Too soon for a Westworld joke about hosts when there's a virus plaguing the earth. I watch and love Westworld, but that went over my head. But not too late <laughs> to actually get COVID and be and be hosts. You still got three weeks. Nope, not too late, not too late, as we are smashing records daily, America. Smashing. Yeah. All right, we are here today to talk about Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. We're in Season 2. The episode is called The Tragedy. Did anyone else, when that title card came up, out loud go, oh, shit. I was definitely ears pricked, you know? I I think I could say I was pretty certain from the title card that this was the episode where Grogu was going to be, you know, lost or taken. I had that thought immediately. But I didn't know that it also meant that the Razor Crest was just going to get blasted. Like, sorry, that's over. Bye-bye. No no idea. Another out loud moment for me. They're really, it's it's really good. Continuing with last last week, I mean, when we talked about how it just they're just killing it, dude. Going for it, it, dude. It really was almost comical because of the opening, the cold open in the cockpit was adorable. Father son <laughs> moment, and then it's like, bam, bam, the tragedy. <laughs> All right, let's do this. What have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian, Season 2, Chapter 14, The Tragedy, released Friday, December 4th, directed by Robert Rodriguez, big one, director of Sin City, From Dust Till Dawn, Planet Terror, a bunch of other amazing cult classic films, truly like a cult film legend. This is big. Pretty cool. There was uh, an article that I read, too, that he was a fill-in director. I think they ran into an issue. I don't know who he filled in for, but someone actually just couldn't do it anymore, and Favreau called him in. He's quoted saying, I'm friends with John Favreau, and he needed a last-minute replacement for a director, and so I said, sure, I'll come play in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Duh. Like... (laughs) I would say that too. Uh, what a dream. And it's fulfilled all my, it's beyond my expectations. I mean, it was so fun. You can't imagine what it's like to walk on a set that has the classic look of the Empire Strikes Back feel and look. It's right after that era, right after the return of the Jedi. It's that era. So you really feel like you just walked into your childhood. Rob Rod, you get a virtual 
podcast Zoom high five. <laughs> or you get that like arm, that Viking handshake that they do. Actually, yes. you get that. <laughs> Agreed. As soon as we get the vaccine, we'll give you what well, we can do that. This episode was written by John Favreau, again, of course, starring the usuals, but also coming back from his one shot at the beginning of the season, Tamara Morrison as, yep, Boba Fett, as if it wasn't already fully confirmed. Here it is. Here's the man. And Ming-Na Wen returning as Fennec Shand, runtime of 33 minutes, 9.4 on IMDb, 9.7 the previous week was the record holder for the series. This would be second, right? 9.2, I think, was the other. Yep. So clearly we're not the only ones that thought this one crushed. Yeah. The brevity of the episode did not bother me because it was just literally action-packed. It almost had the pacing of The Rise of Skywalker. It was just like, I can't breathe. Too much is happening. One after the other. I I can't breathe. This is crazy. It didn't feel like 33 minutes to me at all. I was worn out by the end. The pacing, I think, was was something that was very deliberate. But I think when you have someone like Rodriguez directing, you know, his whole thing is pacing. Mm-hmm. You know, his films are very much about like you only take a beat when you have to. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, it's boom, yeah. boom, boom. Gun, you know, every one of those gunshots is choreographed. Every every one of those like Sin City. What a cool film, you know, and like yeah. you think about the pacing in that film. It's it's freaking nonstop. And so knowing that he directed this episode, I think that it was very much in his style of you were just jumping from one thing to the net, you know, whether it was Grogu on the rock to that, those were your beats. You got to see the seeing stone, but it those were just cut in between nonstop action. And, um, you know, they had an action director come in to make an action episode. It was awesome. Chapter 14 opens up with the Razorcrest cruising through space. Again, we're back in space. Closing in on the planet Tython, inside the cockpit of the Razorcrest, Din is doing some light Jedi training with Grogu. Don't you want to learn more of that Jedi stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Still getting used to his name, Din keeps saying, just like us, I feel like, keeps saying Grogu, and then chuckling (laughs) as the child responds to his name. He calls him the child a lot in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. They, they They still refer to him as the child a lot. It's such like a, oh, we just named our dog (laughs) kind of moment, you know? It's the best. Dude, my parents just changed the name of their new dog. He's like a little pup. I mean, he's five, four months old. Yeah, four. I think he's four months old. And they they changed the name because both of their dogs, they named them ending in an E sound. And they Mm. felt like it just wasn't working. But I still, I'm like, don't, it doesn't, nope. You know what I mean? I hung out (laughs) with them all day today and I just can't. I can't call him the new name. I don't know why. <laughs> what is it? Todd? Gary? Alan? Jasper. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue for a dog for me. I, I can't tell my mom and dad that, though. They, <laughs> they, they've deliberated over this name for so long. If I was like, guys, that one doesn't work either. They, they, no, I can't, I can't do it. So hopefully you're not listening. Love you, mom and dad. We snuck Finn. Well, I guess I would say I snuck Finn in there as a name. We we deliberated for like two weeks. So I was on tour, and we were just. I was like, we're naming it a Star Wars name, and every nothing flew. I wanted Obi, but that didn't. You know, two syllables. It was cool. He's he's like white and gray. Totally would have been awesome. I love that. I love Obi. Finn's cool. But a couple of months later, Adam, you like love this. Me and Nicole are watching Next Gen, and we were like, oh man, we should have named him Jean Luc. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh man, I wish my dog was named John Luke right now. <laughs> God, that that's an epic dog name. <laughs> All right, Grogu and the Knob. Grogu and the Knob. So 
the knob from the from the lever. From the lever. He's pulling that. Come on, buddy. Get the thing. Get the thing. Kind of, you know, dog move again. And the child does it. He comes through. He uses the force. Din is pumped. But it's also a somber moment because Din's he's obviously sad knowing that he or at least thinking he can't train him. He he really still thinks that he can't fully kind of be his father figure or be his guardian, whatever you want to call it. And he's clearly bummed on the idea of giving him up. Moving on, the Razor Crest enters the atmosphere of Tython and approaches the Jedi Temple on top of a mountain. It's a pretty simple, pretty, you know, just as ancient as Octo-style temple we see. Stonehenge vibes. I was going to say to anyone else, get the spinal tap. <laughs> Stonehenge. And then, and, then, and then Boba calls it the, the henge later yeah, in the yeah. episode. He literally <laughs> says henge. I was like, oh, okay. No one knows. Stonehenge. No one knows who, who they, they were or what they what were they doing there. <laughs> yes. Okay, God, we're failing. Go. That's uh, great. So... They they can't land on top, obviously. So Din decides to land nearby and jetpack. Great quote. He says something like, "We're gonna have to go the rest of the way with the top down." Yeah. And the sound that Grogu makes on the way oh by. My God. So cute. So, so good. A lot of new cute noises in this. He started to do this like I feel like he's like purring like a cat a little bit, but he's also making like a like a disapproving like. Yeah, it's like he's bummed. Fart, like he's fart not fart into with it. His, with his mouth. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like his way of saying like no, like yeah. no, yeah. dude. Not into that. So funny. That sucks, Dad. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They jetpack in. Din drops Grogu right on the seeing stone. Waste no time. Drops him on there and, okay, what do you got? Nothing happens. <laughs> He's like, maybe they're supposed to see you? So Din just starts searching around the site, trying to find a way to activate the seeing stone. And meanwhile, Grogu is just dicking around, playing with butterflies. Typical lazy toddler. Yeah. I'm just a regular kid who wants you to know the real truth about child labor laws, okay? They're silly and outdated. Um, <laughs> in the distance, we hear a ship approaching. What kind of ship? Whose ship, might you ask? It's the slave one. It's Boba Fett on approach. Ladies and gentlemen, the man is on approach. Din sees a ship landing nearby, rushes back to grab Grogu, but Grogu's not going anywhere. Did you notice just before that, the way that Grogu sort of leans and his hand makes contact with the stone, very much Ray, Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like Octo that. style. And Good point. so it was, it was like he hadn't, he was sitting there, but... I think, I mean, I think we could say we know that for whatever reason, your feet don't do the same thing that your hands do when it comes to force sensibility for whatever yeah. reason, yeah, you know, your or, or your ass sitting on the seat doesn't do as much. But like, I don't know, I, I got immediate Ray training vibes when he leaned over and put his, because you could see he sort of realized something when he touched it. Yeah. Like he he connected with it. I noticed that. Yeah. And that was sort of happening as Slave One was flying in. I really did like the look of Slave One cruising through that Southern California sky. Yeah, yeah it was cool. <laughs> a crystal clear Southern California sky. And just like a kid who can't go potty on the training toilet while his parents are in the room, Din has his back turned for like 10 seconds, and all of a sudden the child is just ripping full force stream. Yeah. Double entendre for anyone who didn't catch that. <laughs> the, the potty on the force stream? <laughs> Man, we're killing it this week. Like a neon blue spotlight beacon, like a pillar of force energy fully surrounding Grogu as he sits atop the seeing stone, eyes closed, thumbs and index fingers touching, full meditation vibes. Have we seen anything like this before? His name is Luke Skywalker. Mm. Can, can you guys who are smarter than me find 
Like the actual like this, beacon, the, the beam. Little, the f- yeah, like, yeah, I don't not know. Not the beam, no. Like where, where you know, uh, Ahsoka was very clear, if he reaches out with the force, maybe a Jedi will come to find him. This is, in every sense of the word, a beacon. Have we, have yeah. we ever seen anything like that? I don't think we have. I mean, this is showing his species, Yoda's species, like... This is next level, dude. I mean, they're just on a level. The closest thing I can think of off the top of my head would be at the top of that, like, temple slash weapon in Rebels. This is Rebels, oh, yeah. right? Was it Malachor? Yeah. I want to say it's Malachor. Where there's the Sith holocron and Ezra goes to... Yeah, he, he put, I've seen that episode. I've seen that. When Ezra goes to get the holocron. Yeah, and that's emanating this huge mm-hmm. energy. I don't know if it was doing the same thing. Maybe that's what drew Vader there. I don't know. It's it definitely seems like it's a very literal translation of what Ahsoka was was almost saying more figuratively. Like, yeah. you know, if they reach out, maybe someone will hear him. This is like it was like no, we're, we're gonna hit the bat signal. Want, she just didn't want to say he can sit down there and send a giant freaking laser beam telegraph across the entire galaxy. Yeah. So from you know, the valley, but, you can be like, oh, I'm going to that club in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when like, you're on the 101, ooh, that yeah. car place is having a sale. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Anyways, there was also, I'll, I'll stop interrupting you. I won't, but I'll try. Uh, around the top, not at the very top, but in the, in the top half of the seeing stone, you noticed maybe there was like some type of engraving around it, you know, that yep. the, the force beacon was sort of like emitting from there and no, yeah. no lower than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've seen anywhere online anyone who has more time in their day than I do to decipher what it is or if it says something or whatever. Yeah, I haven't but seen anything. I definitely no- I noticed that for sure. We'll mention it in Den of Antiquities. It hasn't been translated because I think it's a little too scratched up in low res. All right. So Din goes to grab Grogu from the stone, but as he reaches in, he's repelled by the force field, blown across the altar, if you want to call it that, onto his back, hitting the ground. But Grogu's focus is totally unbroken. He's in the zone. Stunned and confused, Din gets to his feet, pleased with the child. Snap out of it, kid. We got to get out of here. But Grogu's focus and the force field remain unbroken. So Din tells the child, as if he's listening, I'll try to buy you some time. Heads down to get a closer look at Slave One. I can't shake the potty, <laughs> the potty <laughs> vibes here. It's like, just take your time, buddy. I'm going to go answer the door. It's like, <laughs> I think there's something funny too here about, about it literally being a force field, you know, like yeah. the sci-fi kind of nerdy, like he's got a force field, you know, right. but like yeah. it's a capital F force field. And yeah. it like, yeah. it's like doing the joke that a force field would <laughs> yeah. do. I, yeah. I hope that they did that on purpose. Like it's this will force, be funny. Force field. This will be funny yeah. if it's a force field. That will be funny, <laughs> you know. As he's coming down the hill, Din is stopped in his tracks by blaster fire. He ducks behind a rock and hears the words, "I've been tracking you, Mandalorian." I love this voice. Oh, it's so good. A hooded figure appears. Din emerges slowly from behind the rock, blaster drawn. He sees the same person we, as viewers, saw at the end of chapter one. You know who it is? It's Boba Fett. In the building, Din, having met a hooded Jedi recently, asks Boba if he's a Jedi or if he's after the child. Boba says he's after the armor. Din assumes he's referring to his Beskar, and then this conversation goes, as you might expect, not your armor, dummy, my armor, you're not a real Mandalorian, yada, yada, yada. Din responds with a threat, asking Boba, what's to stop me from dropping you right where you stand? Boba tells Din he has a sniper on the ridge, ready to fire at the child, not at him. Real threats. This is like a typical Rodriguez, I feel like, moment, you know? Like some sort of standoff, like Tarantino-esque, Rodriguez-esque standoff. 
Western influence as well, directed by a dude who's also heavily influenced by Western stuff. It's so dope. And if you remember, I don't miss, a voice says off screen. Immediately, Din recognizes the voice as Fennec Shand, the return. Here she is. Din engages his whistling birds, ready to take them both out, but Boba diffuses the situation, insisting that he just wants to talk. Convenient. They do the old, you first, no, you first, same time, routine, and come together to talk. Weapons down. Boba tells the story of finding and saving Fennec and her subsequent life debt. That's how it works. Then, with a sufficiently convincing history lesson on his armor, bargains with Din to exchange the armor for help ensuring the safety of Grogu. Good deal. Good plan. We're all getting along now, but oh shit, we've got company. As soon as this wraps up, here comes a ship. We see a stormtrooper transport landing in the distance. Can anyone else help but like know that's coming and you're like, oh. Yeah. Cool, 30 dead guys. <laughs> I don't know why I thought at first, like, I was expecting Jedi. I don't know why. That's where my, my, my brain went. Like, Grogu's looking for someone. I wasn't only because of the end of chapter 13 when Gideon is given confirmation that the tracking beacon oh, the is track, put yeah, yeah, on yeah. the Razor Crest. So I, I knew that was what was going on. But I'm just saying, in general, from now on, especially because, yeah. like, I don't care. I love it. Like I, this is not. I'm not bummed that they're doing it. Like do it more because it's it's great and it's it's funny and also awesome and action packed. But like they're going so hard on the like stormtroopers are just no matter what expendable and will never yeah. accomplish a mission that you could be dude. It could have been a whole star destroyer landing gates open and it's full. I mean, it's like loading bay, docking bay, full, just yeah. garrisons. And I would have been like, can't wait to see how you're going to yeah. get out of this bucket of syrup. <laughs> as I always say, like, they're all dead. They're all going to die. Yeah. I thought that immediately. Yeah, here comes a transport full of target like, practice. I'm not scared, but this is going to take like an hour to kill exactly. all Exactly. Like, as I'm soon as worried, I saw but... the first trooper, I was like, all right, so we got a few minutes of stormtroopers dying. <laughs> That's the next chapter in this show. Oh, shit. So Din heads back up to the scene stone to grab Grogu. While Boba and Fennec head down to scope out the trooper transport, a.k.a. mow these motherfuckers down, Grogu is still deep in force meditation. Din tries to break the force field again, capital F, but is blown back even harder and further than before and seems to be unconscious. His, his move is to put himself in harm. Like Again. He, it's, uh, <laughs> yes. it's all he does is be like, uh, yeah, I'll just use my body. I don't know. I mean, Anything's <laughs> worth a shot if you're wearing Beskar. Yeah, <laughs> Try guess, yeah. anything. Clearly. Try yeah. anything. Yeah, maybe I'm missing the point. Like, maybe he's just like, well, I have this armor, so I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Just give it a try. It might not work, but you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. At the bottom of the hill, stormtroopers emerge from the transport, and Fennec and Boba open fire, sniping them from a distance before splitting up. Fennec holds a position to cover as Boba heads down the hill to take them on hand-to-hand. He's ready to throw down. We finally... Finally, after 37 years, get to see Boba in full action, fully kicking ass. Fully. Our dude brutalizes these stormtroopers with the gaffy stick, knocking troopers to the ground, impaling them with the sharp end, shattering helmets. Like, I'm so glad Rodriguez was behind the camera on this one. So pumped. There was a cool uh, interview with Tamara who said that he wanted to bring his native background as the Maori nation of New Zealand, the indigenous people. He basically just wanted to take that like either cultural dance or cultural warrior style and bring it into how we fought in this episode. And it really was awesome, especially with that gaffy stick. So badass. Nonetheless, the troopers keep coming. 
They pull out the E-Web blaster cannon. They pull out a mortar and start dropping bombs on the crew. They're literally bringing out the big guns, but Boba and Fennec hold their own. Amidst Boba Fett's orgy of destruction, he sees the Razor Crest nearby with its hatch door open. This dude wants his armor back, so he heads for the ship. Back up on the hill, as the stormtroopers are starting to overwhelm Fennec, another transport lands, deploying even more troopers. Meanwhile, Din has regained consciousness and yet again tries to break the force field surrounding Grogu. Why has this dude not learned his lesson yet? <laughs> he just wants he, to get beat up. He's got to rescue the kid, man. He gets knocked on his ass a third time. Is Din Djarin a knucklehead? <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly yes. He stumbles to his feet, throws in the towel on that for the moment, heads down the hill to defend against the stormtrooper onslaught. It's getting kind of heavy down there. Seconds after he turns his back, of, of course, the force field dissolves, and Grogu comes out of his meditation. As you might expect, little baby's a little tuckered out. He lays down on the stone for a little baby Jedi nap. Back to Fennec. Troopers are closing in all around her. Din shows up, fires off a clip of whistling birds, but the troopers just keep coming. You think he's going to fire off the whistling birds and we're good? Nope. They keep coming. There's a bunch of them. There's a never-ending supply of useless soldiers in the just Empire. Just coming off the line. And just as it's looking like they're kind of screwed, for a second, I was actually expecting them to be captured at this moment. A detonator hits the ground, explodes, and takes out a bunch of the troopers, then another one, and then in flies our boy, Boba Fett, in his armor, back in the building. A little bit of a dad bod, it's a tight fit, but it doesn't matter. These troopers are fucked, as if they weren't already fucked. They're extra double, triple fucked now. This dude is leveled up, and the remaining troopers are no match. Family-friendly beeps. <laughs> Lots of beeps. Our dude lets it rip with every single toy in the suit. Blaster pistol, gauntlet pistol, knee darts. Nick, knee darts, knee all darts. caps. It, it was like comedic almost. I was like, knee darts, <laughs> okay, knee darts. I got darts here. I got bullets here. I got blasters here. <laughs> the dude fires a gauntlet thruster and super punches like Mega Man style this dude in the stomach. It's unreal. That has to be an Iron Man thing too, right? Yeah, it has to be. It's got to be. I meant to say before before you got the armor on and had the knee darts, a friend of mine texted another group chat I'm in and said something along the lines of like, Boba Fett is just straight whooping that ass with a shower curtain rod. Because <laughs> how it like curves at the end, you know? Yeah. The one that's made to like make your shower feel bigger. Yes. It like yeah. op- opens up so that <laughs> yeah. there's more space in the shower. Yeah. Oh God. The remaining troopers are scared shitless. So they bug out, go back to the transport. Boba holsters his blaster with a spin, like the true gunslinger that he is, as the two transports begin to lift off. They think they're about to escape, but no, sir. Boba's got one more thing, like Steve Jobs with a damn iPhone in his pocket. He flips down his helmet sight, bends over at the waist like a Kenner action figure again, and launches the rocket at the fleeing transports. He lands one rocket on the one transport. It explodes, taking out the second one. Looks back at Din and Fennec. It's amazing. They say, I forget what they say to him, but he, just, he goes, I was aiming at the other one. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Love comedy. Not a second passes, and a powerful red blast comes from the sky and fully takes out the Razor Crest. Gone. Dust. Destroys it. Dust. Absolutely. Rest in peace, Razor Crest. Bye-bye. Call Liberty Mutual. <laughs> Dude, I... Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I had a legit, like, mouth-open, oh, moment when that happened. <laughs> 
I didn't expect that ever in the whole show. No, I I, yeah, I thought yeah, it was a ride or die, man. The Razor Crest. You know, I just I spent know. I think it was like three hundred and fifty dollars doing the Haslab <laughs> uh, pre-order, basically Has Hasbro's Kickstarter to uh, buy the Razor Crest, like three and three quarters inch scale. <laughs> Dude, it's worth even more now because it's yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's a tribute now. Yeah, it's not the best song ever written. It's a tribute. tribute. <laughs> Fennec, sensing the imminent danger, tells Boba to head back to Slave One. Din is speechless, as, as anyone would be. He uses his helmet scope to look up at the sky and sees that the blast came from an Imperial ship. He immediately knows he has to get Grogu. They're coming for him. They're here. Cut to the inside of the Imperial cruiser, and we see Moff Gideon. He sends the Dark Troopers, confirmed, down to the ship to apprehend the child. Did John Favreau have anything to do with Iron Man? <laughs> he like wrote and directed it and then there's these troopers that have jets in their feet and their hands flying down from an imperial i just wanted to just double check that i wasn't crazy that yeah full it yeah. was just black full iron, iron man, man suits <laughs> like yeah <laughs> fully before we know it the dark troopers are at the top of the mountain they grab grogu they fly away this was legitimately scary for me i was freaking out din and fennec they were too late they didn't make it fennec radios to boba that the troopers have taken the child and he goes after them in Slave One. As he gets close, to his surprise, he sees an Imperial ship. They're back, he says. Who, Fennec Shen says. The Empire, they're back. That can't be. The Outer Rim is under the jurisdiction of the New Republic. This isn't a spy stream. I can see the Imperial cruiser with my own eyes. Boba Fett apparently knows what it's like <laughs> yeah. to do the drugs. I like just going all in on confirming that spice is like meth or whatever. <laughs> Bro, I'm not having an acid flashback. So Bobo retreats. He doesn't want to get involved up in there with the Slave One. Back on the ground, Din stands in the crater where the Razorcrest once stood. A crater. It's screwed. Yeah, it's just gone. He's sifting through ash and rubble. I, I typed rubble, the word rubble, but it's not even rubble. There's like yeah. scraps, little tiny pieces. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> he does find, though, the knob that Grogu's obsessed with, stashes it for safekeeping, then comes across the Beskar spear, indestructible Beskar, that Ahsoka gave him in Chapter 13, fully intact. I feel like he's like, a rem not remorseless is not the right word, but he's like like not saying anything at all. Oh, he's destroyed, yeah. dude. He's I mean, so, dude, he's so mad. Yeah. Dude, like, think Mandalorian, think the Creed, think Warrior. He's so mad, dude. He's failed his sole purpose that he was yeah. tasked with. There's no words. Yeah. There's no words there. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Never seen that before. He's just, he's mad, dude. The kid's gone. His ship is gone. What do you do? What do you say? Now, back at the site, Boba pulls up a hollow on his gauntlet, a chain code that's embedded in the armor, showing that the armor has been in the Fett family and that it was previously owned by Django, his dad. Din reads the chain code and sees that Django was actually a Mandalorian foundling. Respect. Hella respect from Din in that moment. So he's cool with the armor being returned to Boba and assumes that their deal is done. Not so fast, says Boba. He tells Din that because Grogu is still in danger, their deal is not yet complete. He is bound to him to help protect this kid. Double respect. Somebody, one of us, said a long time ago when we started talking about this show that either we hoped or we really thought or in the effort to not be a speculative podcast that Boba Fett was going to be 
not just a like little blip or not just an inspiration that he was going to be part of the show. And maybe this arc will end quickly. I don't know. But based just on Friday's episode, he's on the team. He's yeah. in the show. He's here. He's like a major player. It's so radical. It's going down. Next, we see the Slave One landing on Navarro. Din has a plan. He hits up his girl, Cara Dune, for help. Since we last saw her, Kara has apparently changed her mind. She's actually taken the job of new Republic Marshal. She's on board now. Kara. Did you notice that, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. Kara? He, he, he says Kara Dune, new Republic Marshal. Kara, Kara, potato, potato. I don't know the right way to say it. I'm, I just, Din says Kara. Tatooine, Tatooine. That was interesting. Din asks her to locate Mayfeld from season one in the New Republic Prison Registry. His plan is to break this dude out to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser. Uh, you could only assume it's like, hey, I broke you out. I know you hate me, but you're out, so you kind of owe me now. So that's the plan. Speaking of that cruiser, we next see it hurtling through hyperspace with Gideon and two troopers heading to the prison cell area. As they approach, we hear stormtroopers, this is amazing, struggling in the distance, <laughs> not having a good time. The cell doors open and we see sweet baby Grogu using the force to whoop the living shit out of these two stormtroopers. Like, just owning these dudes, smashing them together, force choking. Messing with them. Yeah. So great. Just, like, playing with them like a grizzly bear that, like, a little kid just fell <laughs> in its pen. Like kid who yeah. went on a Boy Scout camping trip and wore deodorant. <laughs> yeah. It's a big no-no. He knocks the two out and then keels over, wheezing, fully exhausted from using the force. Gideon approaches him, knowing it's safe because he's got no energy left. He's worn out. Gideon then draws the Darksaber and asks the child if he's seen one of these in years past. The child reaches for it, but Gideon pulls it away, toying with him. Such a good villain. You're not ready to play with such things, he says to him. Gideon orders a trooper to stun Grogu and then orders a comm officer to inform Dr. Pershing that they have their donor back. So bummed. A trooper cuffs Grogu. The camera pulls back. The end. This is amazing. I love Star Wars. <laughs> Man, uh, it's hard to follow an episode with Ahsoka in it. Yeah. But they but did it. They did it, man. Full on. It's so good. I was just, I was thinking about that earlier. I'm like, oh man, like last week was like the best thing I saw in Star Wars. And it still might be the best thing I've seen in a while. But this fully occupied all my, all the space in my brain. I've not thought, thought about Ahsoka once. <laughs> and for me, a dude who always thought that Boba Fett looked awesome, mm -hmm. but was never fully into him like a lot of other people were, I never really got it yeah. per se. I'm fully on board now. Yeah. I'm fully about Boba. Well, this was just the moment to really bring forth, like, this is why we made this show, you know? Yep. This character and the lore that has surrounded his father and him from the prequels and into the comics. And as we've talked about, the 45 seconds in Empire that established bounty hunting and Boba as sort of the, the lead figure in that scene, this was the moment. This was it. This chapter was the one to say, this is why we made this show. That's why I hope he's really a big part of it going forward. I, I hope it's just not an arc. You know, I mean, I know he, he won't be in every episode, but just I hope that it was like introducing him because also just as an actor, tomorrow he deserves this moment in the sun. Like 
This yeah. is so huge. And I just feel like this was the episode. This is the one. We all always wanted to see, whether we knew it or not, Boba Fett kicking ass and taking names. And we finally got to see it. And they delivered. I was, I was fulfilled. Totally. That was awesome. You know what I liked too? There was like Boba two ways. We got to see him pre-suit kick ass. Yeah. And then he comes in suit and kicks ass again. Levels yeah. up. Shower curtain. Yeah. Knee darts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what else? I, we ha- we're saying his name wrong. Tamira pronounces it Boba. Boba. I'm Boba He Fett. does say Boba. Boba. Like, <laughs> it, it, he says it with that indigenous accent that's his yeah. native tongue. So yeah, that maybe that's how it's supposed to be said. I back that. Boba. Boba. Clean your room. Which also Django says, the same, he, because it's Tamir Morrison, Django says Boba yeah. in Attack of the Clones. Maori. Maori. Maori, Drew. That's how it's pronounced? Maori. Well, if anyone is indigenous to New Zealand and you're upset with us, we're making an effort. We're not trying to be uh, insensitive to the way to pronounce it. We're, we're honestly... First, tell your friends about our podcast and then send us a message. Talk your shit to us. Yeah. Shoot us a voice note. <laughs> You guys that the obsession with the knob has anything to do with like the seeing stone is around, you know, like is there some obsession with why he wants that as opposed to anything else? I, I kind of think he's just being a, ba- a little baby that wants to play ball. Little, maybe a puppy wants his ball, more of a pet yeah, maybe type of thing. Yeah. All right. We can talk about a lot of stuff, but I feel like we talked about quite a bit in the synopsis. So let's just move on. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Ryan. Yes. Tell us about things that people are bummed on, maybe. So if Boba knew, right, were to think that the scene we saw that could have just been a cameo, you know, we didn't know what was going on when we first saw him this season. Clearly he knew who had the armor. He knew Cop Vanth had the armor, all this, what, like, why... It's just, you know what I mean? That's just kind of the writing of like, well, why? It's convenient that it ended up like at this exact moment when we needed Boba to kick ass and take names when the stormtrooper transports landed. Why didn't he get after it more on Tatooine? I have a great answer. I'm ready to hear it. He says, I've been tracking you, right? So it's that kind of thing where you're tracking somebody. I don't know if this happens in real life, but it definitely happens in movies and it makes a lot of sense. You get closer and closer. Think about like Fight Club, if you weren't tracking yourself, you know, you're always like a day late, yeah. right? And you just get closer and closer. He figures out, oh, Cobb Vanth has it. He goes to get it from him. Oh, somebody just took it from the dude. Right. You know, we see him at the end of that first episode because he just missed him. So it's not that he couldn't just walk up and take it from Cobb Vanth. It's that he was a little late, right? And we know he's an expert tracker. I mean, that was right. the few things we did get to see him do in action in the original trilogy. One of them is tracking very well. So he's closing in, and so it would make sense that finally he's close enough. You're right. That line, that's a great piece of writing. I've been tracking you. So there he is. I have my own story. You guys ready? Yes. And so this just came to me on the toilet one day on my seeing stone. Uh, (laughs) Dude, henceforth, the toilet is known as the seeing stone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Boba definitely has some sort of like Tuscan thing going on. He's got, you know, especially in the, in chapter nine, you could see the gaffy stick, but he also has like their rifle and he's kind of cloaked a little bit. Like it's black, not necessarily like the more neutral, like brown and tan, like a Tuscan. But what if he was somehow in the Sarlacc pit, got out, but 
is on Tatooine and the Tuscans take him. So he's actually like taken by the Tuscans and like, I don't know, captured, enslaved, whatever you want to call it. So maybe he's got a couple of years there where he's just in a Tuscan tribe kind of, and he finally escaped. And that's why he just started to, at this point, track his armor. Sort of adopted by the tribe. Yeah. Dude, he's been on Tatooine for a long time. <laughs> this is 9 ABY. Mm-hmm. So this is five years after Battle of Endor. And we know he's had Slave 1 the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, he um, just has been on Tatooine. Yeah. His think. ship was parked there, mm-hmm. probably got impounded. <laughs> they put a boot <laughs> on it. While he was in the Sarlacc. Yeah. <laughs> Lando style. <laughs> I'm about that. The, I, I think, honestly, a story of him being sort of like adopted by a Tuscan tribe is awesome. Could be. Those weapons made me think that. I, I definitely connected the weapons to the Raiders for sure. Yeah. And you think about the idea that you know, it's like local knowledge of the, the Sarlacc. There's no such thing as an empty Sarlacc pit unless the dragon ate the Sarlacc, right? Mm-hmm. And like the raiders are so involved in that and the dragon and the, that's their thing, you know, that's searching for that pearl. And I don't, I don't know, just like they would have found him, you know, if, the, if that was the case. Like yeah. if anyone was scavenging a, an empty Sarlacc pit, it would be the Tusken Raiders, right? Oh, but so, wait a minute though, because the Jawas had the armor though. So there's, it's like... Jawas got the armor, Raider. Maybe, yeah. maybe the Raiders sold it to the Jawas, you know? Yeah, could be. Yeah, or he, I think we talked about this at the time. Maybe he just, he made his way out with the jetpack. Armor goes flying one direction. He goes flying the other. And he the Tuscans find him just laying butt naked in the desert. And the Jawas find the armor. Well, I was going to say, again, I know we don't speculate on Think the Maker, but I'm speculating. He got out or or he didn't get out and the dragon sort of like killed the Sarlacc and like left him sort of there. So he didn't get digested over a thousand yeah. years he <laughs> was just kind of there and the raiders found him but he was a you know he's unconscious he's like needing to be nursed back to health right because you've been yeah. in the belly of the sarlacc and they're like dude let's sell this shit <laughs> like this you know we don't need this armor we could get some cash from the little guys for this so yeah 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 i'm thinking when they found him he was not in the best shape you yeah. know they're like, is that Which Boba would Fett? explain, well, that would explain him <laughs> losing the armor, like not being able to control, you know, to fight back to like keep it or whatever. If, the, if, if he lost the armor, he's not going to give it away. Yeah. It's like his sole purpose in life to get it back, you know? But next, a uh, certain point of view. In season two of Clone Wars, when Obi-Wan, is it Obi-Wan and Anakin both go to Mandalore? They go to Mandalore to serve as protectors of Satine, who sits on the throne of Mandalore. And... In that story arc, Almec, who's like a, what, what would you he's call a him? Prime Minister. Yeah, prime, he's, so he's like, yeah, right. Like she's the, the monarch and mm-hmm. he's, she's Queen Elizabeth and he's Margaret Thatcher, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the vibe. Yeah. And he's talking about Django and very much committing to the fact that Django was not a Mandalorian. And this should be brought up because Filoni is quoted on camera in an interview saying that George Lucas was dead set that Django was not a Mandalorian. And there's nothing other than this now, as far as I know, this episode now, that Filoni seems to sort of be flip-flopping and like just going back on that and saying, never mind, he is, he was a foundling. He was Mandalorian. Well, Lucas did say that pre-Disney acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that makes anything not in those nine films and the Clone Wars cartoon non-canon. Right, yeah. a thought in Lucas's head or any of that—that's all legends, of course. Yeah. And whether whether or not it gets brought in, it's just interesting that Filoni like says, "Yeah, well, but no, Lucas says he's not a Mandalorian, like out loud, yeah. that he wouldn't come out and say, you know, I don't know, yeah. just come out and be like, yeah. 
well, actually. Yeah. Instead, he was just like, nah, chain code, let's go. Yeah, well, luckily in Clone Wars, it was like there was enough wiggle room there for them to change this. Well, I think it's easy to to explain away, you know. He's a lying politician. Al Mac was just saying, yeah, Al Mac was just saying what he wanted to say. He was just, you know, he, yeah, he, I think you're right, Nick. There's definitely wiggle room there as far as yeah. the way you could interpret what Al Mac meant to say or like why it, he was saying what he, he was saying. He wound up not being a good dude, Al Mac, you know, like he was. Yeah, he, was he ends kinda, up being a villain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you could easily just in your your own head be like, well, he wasn't a good dude. He's a lying politician. Like he's probably just like poo-pooing on, on Django. I think I said this in our chat, but I really got vibes from him. Like once that all kind of came to light, I really got this kind of like almost like white nationalist kind of oh, totally. view of him. Like he's just like, oh no, he's not a pure Mandalorian. You know, he's yeah. he's a common bounty hunter. You know, right? Because he was born on Concord Dawn. And- well, we know too that 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 na- you know we know that there were the true Mandalorian and Death Watch who were like rival. Mandalorians, but they were all Mandalorians, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and trying to claim that the other were not. I mean, that's what's really one of the coolest things about this episode is that Din is Death Watch and Boba is descendant of true Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. they're like working together, but their lineage makes them like warring tribes. Well, with Django being from Concord Dawn, wouldn't he be from the same? That's what I was a little. He kept. But, In the uh, comics, Django is. Django's parents are killed and one of the dudes i can't remember his name but one of the dudes from the true mandalorian just takes Jaster, him in. i want to say his name is jester Muriel. Yeah. yes takes him in and din is rescued by you know and taken in as a foundling by death watch so yeah so boba's uh, neither because he he wasn't on mandalore he hasn't you know what i mean he's not a mandalorian he's descendant of Django, but the idea that he's descendant of and the two of them are working together, I think is cool because in, in Mandalore history, they're like the worst of enemies, you know? But hold up. Isn't Django from Concord Dawn, which is where Death Watch is from? Was it Concord Dawn or Concordia? Concordia. Yeah, but they both think that they're the true Mandalorians. But one of know? them is called, they're, they're like, their group is called the true Mandalorian. Here it is. Teamwork, thanks to producer Drew. Concordon, Concordia, two different places, not different names for the same place. So we're both partially right. I mean, I wasn't even referring to the planet so much as I was just saying that Django was taken in by Jaster, who was a part of the true Mandalorians, who were rivals of Death Watch. And Death Watch are who took in Din as a foundling. So the scene of them working together is killer because their lineage are like arch rivals. That's all I was trying to say. What's extra cool is that they're both actually rivals of, you know, a dude like Almec, who's kind of like, again, like the racist kind of white nationalist that is, is not about anybody, but what he thinks is pure, claiming to be Mandalorian. You know what I mean? So the whole thing is a mess. There's a whole story about their civil war and everything that's referenced here. So and speaking of that civil war, apparently Django fought in it. So that Mandalorian civil war was about the time that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon would have been... On Mandalore, and that would have been the time that Obi-Wan and Satine had their little fling there. Pre-prequels. Yeah. This actually, you know what, this is perfect. The two of them coming together is perfect because in the Eris, Bo-Katan talks about how Mandalorians are better together, more powerful Mm -hmm. together. So the three of them coming together, I think is inevitable, hopefully before the end of this season, Mm -hmm. and it will be beautiful. Yeah, she's not not coming back. All right, a couple more, moving on. So I think there's some discussion about the fact that Boba is seems very honorable in this episode. 
<laughs> to the point of, we just met. I was going to kill you for my armor. Now, right. I'll travel across the galaxy with you to save this child. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in your debt forever. You know, like yeah. the most stand-up guy in the galaxy, yeah. which is a bit contradictory with the depiction of him in the original trilogy. And, and, and some comics, yeah. As him being this ruthless bounty hunter that has no respect for life. My thoughts, Nick, you have thoughts? Anyone else? Well, I'll say mine and, and, and let you guys go. But I mean, speculative as it may be, his half a decade on Tatooine changed him. Yeah, you would assume. You would hope. I mean, almost dying a miserable death in the belly of a Sarlacc for a thousand years, mm-hmm. you know, is like, it'll, that'll change a man. I just can't not think of it in like a business sense. I'm like, you don't bring Boba Fett back to have people cheer against him. You know, like that. I just, I'm like, yeah, they, you just, you know, he's going to be one of those like likable scoundrels, kind of anti heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And people are bummed on that. The idea of him even being an anti hero versus a straight up villain. But I, I think the Clone Wars, as a kid, they depict him as somebody who isn't evil, who's just like instead really hurt and wants revenge. And he only wants revenge on Mace Windu at that, at that time. So he's still not even a bad dude. He's just, a really pissed off like tween yeah like maybe he wasn't overreacting he saw his dad's head get cut off by a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. like man I kinda, yeah. i'm kind of with boba here well it, it would be a little tough to reconcile from a writing standpoint like him wanting revenge on the jedi yeah because in this moment he clearly knows what's going on with grogu mm-hmm. and that there is very much a force-sensitive being involved in this story that he's now a part of. So maybe it really was just revenge on the one man. I want to kill the man who killed my father, not I want revenge on the Jedi, Mm. you know? He does end up getting all wrapped up in crime. I mean, you know, you think the son of a bounty hunter, of an only parent, that person dies, and then you're just, like, out there in the world with a bunch of other shady-ass people. It's not like he went to college. Yeah. You know, he's all caught up in crime and stuff. And no, then in the Clone Wars, he had a little crew of jerks. Yeah. He's with Ara Singh, who's a ruthless bounty hunter, and he's actually, he's not down, but n- nonetheless, he's influenced by that lifestyle. And then imagine that, like, a tween goes into being a teenager and someone in their early 20s probably being a total asshole. And then, like you said, you know, you go through some terrible shit in the, the belly of a giant monster, and you maybe kind of try to, like, rethink things. And all of that in the context of as messed up as it is, bounty hunter culture is, it's an honor culture, which is a thing that we have here on Earth. It's a complicated profession. Yeah. You think about gangs, you think about like the mafia, like somebody in your family does something, well, now your family, there's going to be some kind of retribution. Somebody's going to get whacked because that's just the way it works. You know, it's terrible. It's crime, but it's a code. It's an honor culture. It's like a very real thing. So he could still be a dude in that who's honor bound. It's like, well... I made this deal. That's the way it works. And also a little wiser having gone through what he's gone through. So I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's bad. People change, man. Yeah, I don't think it's like Disney retconning that's ruining Star Wars. I don't think it's any of that. I mean, it just makes sense for the story. Like, it's, I have no issue with it. You know, we bring up the, like, MCU and all this stuff. Like, they pull from the best of a million comic books and put together a good story. And, like, that's a very good parallel, I think, is we're not going to pull the exact story from all those stuff that's legends at this point, but we're going to pull the good stuff and, and move on from there. I think it's great. I would have to agree. And that said... 
thousand generations. It is the dark saber. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nick, allow us access to the den. <laughs> Uh, you're cool. You could come in. You're cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start off with this one because this one could have been in a certain point of view. First of all, people referring to Tamira Morrison's body as a dad bod. He's 60 years old. So guess what? He's probably a dad, but he's also 60 years old. He's not going to look like a uh, fight club Brad Pitt, you know? <laughs> yeah. So calm down. But also think about this. Think about Rex in Rebels. He is a barrel-chested thick boy, yeah. like straight up. You know, if we see in the next two episodes or next season Tamira Morrison playing Captain Rex, that's going to be sick. He's going to yeah. have the exact body type as Captain Rex. So let's see. The Seeing Stone kind of had uh, a little bit of the same feel as Luke's pile of rocks, right, on Octo. Yeah, on that little outcrop. That also could have been some sort of seeing stone. I would assume that all Jedi temples have some sort of seeing stone, and maybe they use them to communicate. Who knows? I mean, that is a place where he reached out across the galaxy to project himself, so... Yeah. Makes sense to me. That makes sense. The issue of the butterflies is definitely something I thought... uh, It's something weird to point out and something to, like, focus on when Grogu was kind of, like, reaching out to them, and then moments later, he, he was in that force field. Butterflies around him on the seeing stone, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So I, he seemed to like reach out to the butterflies in particular. And I was just like, that's interesting to like just focus on that for a second. So I kind of felt like they had something to do with something. They were blue. The force field was blue in a weird sense. Uh, you know, I was just thinking like maybe they focused him somehow because moments later he, you know, he put his hand on, on the stone and, and the force field began. So I know there's some other stuff out there it's just butterflies in some other animated things. I don't think that they're pulling out like a literal child's cartoon there's something called like star wars rollout that people are like ben solo uh was interested in blue butterflies and this this thing i'm like it's a that's actually not even a kid's cartoon that's like a cartoon for two-year-olds you know like they're not (laughs) they're not burying clues (laughs) you never know though they might be inspired by it maybe this will like set a precedent yeah who knows maybe i mean if star wars is just one giant escape room (laughs) gotta watch everything including two-year-old animation but uh i don't know to me i just i felt like they focused on those butterflies for a second to in a weird way like focus grogu to be like all right i gotta dude I, i gotta do this now i just had a thought though what if they're serving that purpose just like they served a purpose for young ben solo when he was a little punk ass little baby Mm -hmm. and what if through the force that's just kind of a thing like hey throw the butterflies at the kid well, yeah. they're present at these temples, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, give them the ball. Give them the butterflies. Whatever species of butterfly that is, they gravitate yeah. towards these super force-sensitive places. Yeah, I think that there's for sure a reason that they're blue. There's a reason. They have something to do with that seeing stone, I want to say. Like it. Moving on, like I said earlier, but the first time I saw that transport, I, for some reason, thought like, oh, here comes a Jedi. Grogu's calling, and here comes a Jedi. Uh those transport looked pretty similar. They're not the same, but pretty similar to uh, Stormtrooper transports that we see in like the opening scene of The Force Awakens. So maybe it's like an early model or something like that. Yeah, it's like a, do you have a T-14 or a T-16? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, definite 
Huge shout out to Eric Voss, who does the New Rockstars YouTube. He has his own channel and it's so good. Definitely. He is on it. He's super nerdy, super in-depth. It's crazy. He points out, and I did not see this. I haven't seen anyone else talk about this, but there's one point when I think Din and Boba are talking. You could see in the background the Seeing Stone beacon shooting up into the sky. And he's like, Eric Voss says, is there a second figure there? It could be the other rock. It could be like one of those six rocks that are part of the henge. But he's really got me thinking there that like maybe while Din was out, a vision of a Jedi or a projection of a Jedi came and and was talking to little baby Grogu. So I don't know. That's pure speculation. But if you watch Eric Voss's breakdown, just search new rock stars on YouTube. He'll freeze frame that little section right there. And you're like, yeah, that kind of looks like it could be a figure that's pretty close to Grogu on that seeing stone. So that's interesting. Something to think about. Yo, producer Drew just dropping some knowledge. Charles Sewell, you know, he's in like canon story group. There's a scene in Charles Sewell's Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, number eight, in which Vader is meditating and he's seen floating over water in the middle of a storm. Surrounding him are dozens of blue butterflies similar to the ones that are flying around Grogu when he connects with the Force. Sick. There's definitely something going on with these blue butterflies. So I yeah. I think Escape Room might not be that far off. I, I think toddler cartoons may have as much relevance as <laughs> the original trilogy when it all comes to the end someday. Next week, we're breaking down little kid Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thought I had. What if there's a metaphor there for the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly? Yeah. That's great. Transformation of Ben Solo to Kylo Ren, Anakin to Darth Vader, and back. Grogu to Dark Side Grogu. Yeah. Dude, something, something's going when on, he was, man. When he was choking those stormtroopers, that was some dark yep. music. The force choking, dude. It's. I'm not going to lie, too. I don't know if you guys noticed this. There was a couple of times where I thought I heard Ben Solo music. Not specifically Kylo Ren, but Ben Solo like in like a more... Happy key, just like, which is Ben Solo from Rise of Skywalker. So, right. I don't know. I can't even imagine what that connection would be, but it was interesting. Well, dude, we're creeping up to that era. Yeah. He's been born at this point, right? Yeah. He's alive and well. Yeah. I think he's probably just born or maybe a couple of years old. No, he was conceived on Endor. So he's four yeah. or five. Yeah. Mm. So, last thing here in the den. Really, really cool callback from Boba saying, I'm a simple man trying to make my way in the galaxy. Django Fett in Attack of the Clone says, I'm a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. But then he added on a little extra oomph to this line. So cool. And he says, like my father before me, which is pretty obvious. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So he kind of combined two lines there. And I fully at, uh, at this point was probably like, 12 27 a.m on friday did the leo meme just pointed i was like (laughs) (laughs) actually i did that from 12 o'clock until 12 30 i just pointed at the screen (laughs) nonstop. (laughs) so that's it thanks for coming to the den see you next week i love it i love you i know favorite scenes favorite quotes okay We, of course, polled the patrons. We gave them five nominations of each, but we have a few of ours, some honorables to mention before we get on to those. Who wants to go? In the spirit of the holiday season, my favorite is actually holds no weight, 
carries no deep meaning. It's not something that you're like, oh yes, that was such an important moment in the development of this story. But I thought it was awesome, so I'm going to use it. Liable to put your eye out with one of these. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Says Moff Gideon. Okay. <laughs> such a grandparent thing. That said, we know that Peter Billingsley, who plays Ralphie in A Christmas Story, you'll shoot your eye out, is friends with John Favreau and cameoed in Iron Man. Yeah. So that was completely deliberately written, liable to put your eye out with one of these. That was just a complete nod to A Christmas Story. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see how it wasn't. And I, lo- I, I love A Christmas Story. I can't put my arms down. <laughs> Maybe it's foreshadowing, huh? Maybe that's a line that someone's losing their eye. We haven't lost any limbs yet, right? In in the Mandalorian. Uh, I mean, I took, I got that piece of info, the connection of John Favreau and Peter Billingsley from the Eric Voss video that I watched about this episode, which had so much good stuff in it. And I was just like, oh my god, that's amazing. I had, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember that Peter Billingsley was in Iron Man, but that's clearly the connection here. Totally. And you'll shoot your eye out. That's so good. But he also said something about how he he, he referenced Giancarlo. Esposito's scene in Breaking Bad where he has no eyeball. So oh, like, yeah. is that going to happen again? Because no one would be mad about it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's how Moff Gideon goes out is dark saber through the eye. <laughs> That'd be incredible. He holds it like Luke when Obi-Wan first shows it to him, staring down the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's my favorite moment from this week is uh, the subtle nod to a Christmas story. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, I'm going to go my, my favorite moment and honor more of an honorable mention for a quote would be, uh, Boba talking about, uh, Boba Boba talking to and about Fennec. He just says she was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine as it was I, but fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. Yeah. Pretty badass line. That's a great line. And also, I'm sorry, just to go back real quick. My actual favorite moment from this this episode was when Grogu was just smacking the shit out of the stormtroopers <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the cell. That was my favorite, really my There's favorite. This little moment. like squinty evil thing going on with his eyes. It's really cute. Well, it was like it was funny, but it was also very sad yeah. and dramatic yeah. too. Yeah, there was a lot of rage going on in there, and I think when you first saw it, you were like, uh, 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 "Oh." Oh. It's like a rescue dog, oh, no. you know, like a rescue dog yes. who you know is an angel, but yeah. is put yes. in like a triggered in a weird way. It's like, Arr! dude, when when he he reaches out and force chokes, you know, the one on the right, and then there's that kind of like quick camera back in, and he force chokes on the left. That's just straight dark side, dude. I don't care yeah. what. Yeah, he may not know that. Obviously, I mean, I don't think you when you're untrained, you don't know the difference. But I guess, right? I mean. I, I don't know. I I, for, I remember watching it going, ha, 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 oh, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Oh man, Adam's dark side theory is real. <laughs> Ahsoka felt that shit, dude. So I, yeah, that was really my favorite thing from, from the whole episode for sure. I, God, dude, there wasn't like a single part of this episode that I didn't love. So it's tough to really pick a favorite, but I think on principle, the idea that Boba Fett comes in and whoops so much ass and turns from a dude that I just think looks cool that I don't fully get why people love into a dude that I'm fully about now, fully on his team. I would have to say everything, almost everything about Boba Fett in this episode, especially his two fight scenes. His performance was so strong too. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Everything about it. With and without the armor, both of them, it's like, oh, okay, here's why. 
I kind of felt bad for Ming-Na Wen standing next to him in those scenes because... And she, and she was also so badass, too. She is badass, but he was so commanding, dude. He was so in the role. Yeah. And that's that's also part of what I think, like, it's just so cool that he's getting this moment in the sun, as I said, you know, as, as an actor to play this part on this level. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he cares so deeply about the character and, and the chance he's been given to play it. Man, we didn't even talk about her droid guts either. Oh, yeah. yeah that's sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And just how conveniently she can just open them up. Like, yeah. hey, look, check it out. Yeah, shout out to Westworld again, Dolores style. Yeah, that really was. Also, shout out to Fennec's sick, like, jump back, you know, fade. Oh, yeah. And oh, shoot, yeah. you know, jumping back off the rock, getting off a couple yep. shots before she tucks and rolls. Yep. That was a stand-up, out of you know, off-the-couch moment. Like, oh, shit. Who is this? But that had to have been like straight up from another Robert Rodriguez movie or something like yes. that. I feel yeah. like that looks very familiar to me. She might as well have had a blaster for a leg <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So on like an emotional level, the child whooping the stormtroopers, that was big for me. And then quote wise, it's hard to pick a specific one, but it, it could be anything that came out of Tamara Morrison's mouth. Like my father before me, yeah, dude. Pick one. <sighs> I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Pick any of them, dude. They're all great. All right, let's see what the patrons thought, though. Favorite scenes. Like we said, we pulled the patrons five nominations each. The nominees for favorite scene are Grogu activating the seeing stone. Hold on, back up. When he activated that thing and we cut to the shot of him doing the Buddha pose. Mm-hmm. Number one, just the contact of his fingers and his thumbs was amazing. And then the look on his face, the concentration, the Yoda lip, you know, yeah. do you notice that? I, I almost thought that he looked like, I mean, he looked a little extra wrinkly and I was like, is he aging? There was something like really like his concentration and stuff. I think he was just squinty. Like his face was yeah, just shriveled. Yeah, yeah. Like there was something, he had some extra wrinkles and I was like, whoa, is he aging? There's also the wave of the stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the scene's over and he's like, Nick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm 300 years old. Watching the show you have. <laughs> it was so cool to see him just like really concentrating and go back and watch the mouth. There's a close up on his face and you can see his lip. They had to have done it in CG because the, the puppet doesn't do its mouth like this. It was so Yoda, so concentrated. It was great. Aged quickly, I have. All right, uh, first, Grogu activates the scene stone. Boba arrives to Tython in the Slave One. Kind of a dual little scene moment right there. Second nominee, Boba gets his armor back, uses all of his toys to battle the stormtroopers. Knee darts. Knee (laughs) darts. Number three, dark troopers fly down from Imperial Cruiser to kidnap Grogu. Dislike. Number four, Boba's showing Din his chain code, proving the Fets are Mandalorian. The fifth and final nominee, Grogu using the Force to attack the Stormtroopers. The winner, with 65% of the vote, Boba gets his armor and handles the damn Stormtroopers. Landslide, again, second week in a row, major landslide. Second place with 21% of the vote, Grogu activating the Seeing Stone and Boba arriving in the Slave One. Predictable to some degree, no less exciting. I am surprised that the seeing stone scene, well, I guess, I guess Boba flying in, that's pretty triumphant. Yeah. But I'm, I'm surprised that that is higher than the stormtrooper, the, the force wielding stormtrooper scene. 
it's just like when we when we talk about when you watch Star Wars, you know, you watch Solo and there's no Force in it. There should have been, right? We, yeah, you know, yeah. We think that we say that. It's like the most force wielding we've seen in a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just slamming. It's like Vader at the end of Rogue One. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's definitely. like slamming them against the wall repeatedly. I, I'm surprised that that wasn't either the winner or second place. I'm surprised. But I would say if there's anything else in Star Wars that would go head to head with a big force moment like that, it would be the return of Boba Fett. Well, I th- yeah, that's what I mean. Everyone's been looking forward to this triumphant moment, you know. Of, yeah. Of, at some point in this show, or is this is that going to happen? And here it is. Favorite quotes. Pretty quote worthy episode, as they have not been other than last week. But the first yeah. part of this season was, you know, we've spoken about. It's kind of like we were we were mining for quotes. I read something that the the actual script for this show was like eighteen pages. So a lot of quotes for very little actual script. Well, there was a lot of boba. <laughs> yeah, boba. boba. First nominee, opening scene of the episode. From Din Djarin. Plus, I can't train you. You're too powerful. Don't you want to learn more of that Jedi stuff? <laughs> Jedi stuff. Hand stuff. Baby hand stuff. <laughs> Second nominee, Boba Fett. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Third nominee, Boba Fett again. Same scene. I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy, like my father before me. Love that so much. This next quote is maybe almost my favorite, actually. Boba Fett, again, after firing the missile and taking down the transports, Din says to him, Nice shot. And Boba replies, I was aiming for the other one. Fifth and final nominee from Moff Gideon at the end in the cell with the child. You've gotten very good with that. But it makes you oh so sleepy. I think if you had put, you're bound to put your eye out with one of these, I think <laughs> it would have won. You'll shoot your eye out! You'll shoot your eye out! <laughs> and the winner with 50% of the vote, Boba Fett, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy like my father before me. Oh, dude. Solid. I'm so chit like... Th- chilled and not relaxed like chills i know boba said it but luke is just in my head right like i yep. see him saying i'm a jedi like my father before me right now ah star what wars a killer homage to that it's all about parentage the whole damn thing why are they nailing all of that stuff so right on like why are why are they hitting every how not why how are they hitting every <laughs> nail right on the head we're going to just cop this legendary line when Luke drops his lightsaber to the floor. Like, we're just going to take it and use it again. And it's going to totally work. It's just going to work perfectly. And everyone's going to think it's amazing. Second place with 19% of the vote. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. I love that. It, it was one of those lines where he delivered it with such a slow cadence that I was already predicting the next line in my head. I thought he was going to say, I don't want your armor. I want mine. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I was like, why wouldn't you just say I want mine? But on second viewing, perfect. So perfect to say it that way. I just paid so much more attention to his performance the second viewing. I, I really hope he's in a lot more of the show. I, I hope it's not just a Clone Wars style arc. I hope, I hope he either is in one of those and then comes back again later, you know, or finishes out this season and then, you know, is into a big part or, you know, big part of, of next season and then 
I, I could see a very cool, uh, we're speculating, we don't do that. I could see a very cool storyline where he sacrifices himself for Grogu mm-hmm. or something. Just like some legendary way to end. Yeah. I don't want to, again, don't want to speculate, but. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, we don't, we don't the, do that here. Go ahead. No Razor Crest. And all of a sudden, you know, I would assume for at least the. That's right. Chapter 15, chapter 15 and 16. Slave One's going to be around, you know, like that's, I yeah. just kind of feel like I don't know unless there's Dude, a Boba death. Boba's dead. Boba dies Din. and hands it off to Boba's Mando. Dead. Come on. Here it is. Yeah, Boba's yeah. dead. You heard it here first. Boba's dead. <laughs> that's the only thing that Dude, makes sense. That's it, Nick. That's it. You wrote it. Holy <laughs> felony. You're hired. <laughs> you just wrote it. You can't bring Boba back for three episodes though. You got to keep I him around. I think you can't. No, I think you can, dude. You can if he dies. I think yeah. you can if he dies in an epic ending where they're rescuing Grogu. Dude. It's just going to be the end of Terminator 2. His thumbs up. <laughs> the thumb. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, everyone, uh, we will try to stick to our no speculating on Thank the Maker, but that was a good one. That was a freaking good one, dude. Yeah. I am so here for that. And then bring back Tamara in the Ahsoka series as Rex. Yeah. Sign me up. Hire us. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it. Ryan Key, you got a quote of the week? I think we have one from a patron, right? We do. And we all need this right now. Hey, patrons, feel free to submit these. We It's cool if they're Star Wars uh, related. Like if you can find um, in anyone, a director, a writer, an actor. A mail carrier. An animator. Like in anyone in the Star Wars universe. It would be cool. A bricklayer. A janitor, you know, from ILM. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like whatever you can find. It'd be great. I'm going to connect this quote to how I was just kind of talking about how how... Fabro, Filoni, the whole team are just, as I said, hitting every single nail on the head with this series. In in our, I think I can speak for the three of us, right? Our opinion. Yes. Whether you're a prequel fan or a sequel fan, the idea that it all was built off of George Lucas's original idea, and and you know, especially with the sequel trilogy, the the daunting task that that was to say, okay, well, we're going to take the reins and and create something new based off something old, and. I think what they're doing with this show, we all agree, is just, it's unreal. It's, it's unreal that the, the world building and the expanding on the original story of the smuggler and the princess and the kid from the desert that we love. Listen to what we talked about tonight. Like the idea of Boba Fett being in a film for 45 seconds and this whole thing this week was like just magical watching him and learning about him and his past and his father and his lineage. And it's just amazing. And so there's this quote uh, from Adam Savage of Mythbusters. And it says, the coolest toys don't have to be bought. They can be built. In fact, sometimes the only way they'll ever exist is if you make them yourself. My dude. And I think that Filoni and Favreau and this, the team behind this program, <laughs> behind, <laughs> behind this here program, they are very much making it themselves. And uh, it's, it's a real pleasure to watch. Makes me proud to be a fan watching this show every week. Same. Nick, are you proud or do you like Star Wars or? Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm reconsidering. Okay. Dudes, this has been so fun today. I was really expecting after last week to have kind of like a, meh, that was all right, kind of week on the podcast. Nope. The episode was dope. This was dope. I think the next two are going to be even more mind-blowing. I, I mean, it's tough to, to tackle Ahsoka. That's just still insane. It's insane. 
that whole episode just played in my head in the five seconds I was speaking. But I think however they're closing this show out, this this season is going to be absolutely mind-blowing. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Through the roof. If you listeners are trying to find the podcast on social media, you can find us at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram. And now, news, happy time news. You can find us on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. Nothing else. Just thank the maker. It's amazing. Peace out, you stupid number one. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Shout out to fan and listener Henry Clark for acquiring Thank the Maker for us. He did some internet sorcery and hooked it up, and here we are. No number one, no number two. Who does number two work for? Number two works for at Thank the Maker, period. <laughs> That's us. My personal account is at Adam the Skull on both of the things. On the webs? I can be located everywhere at William Ryan Key. Okay. Nick! And I can't hear a word anyone is saying right now. I'm having a lot of technical difficulties. They could hear me. I can't hear them. I can't wait to listen to the end of this podcast <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Nick Bayside. Good stuff. And like we've been saying... Patreon is going to get a little overhaul. January 1st is our projected date for for that reboot, sort of. Patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. Be a part of this little community called Thank the Maker. So everyone, thank you for listening. Dudes, I love you. And may the force be with you. Thank you.